Welcome to the Truth Be Known podcast, bringing you the objective truth boldly, candidly, and without apology. Welcome to this week's episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Truth Be Known podcast. I'm Nathaniel Jolly. And I'm Eki Tepsapornchai. Well, brother, it's good to uh, have, have you back here. And um, I've got some funky things going on with my camera. So uh, if you're watching, I'm sorry. You're just going to get a talking head today. Uh, but in, in any case, um, well, uh, you know, today's episode is just really a continuation of last week. So we've been doing a counseling series uh, for those of you who uh, maybe have missed the last couple that we've done. Um, last week, we talked about wives and and giving some counsel to to, to wives. This week, we want to move on to the husbands. Um, and of course, yeah. we're just simply doing them in order uh, that they come to us in in, in Ephesians. And so, um, yeah, brother, do you want to just kind of open us up with some beginning thoughts? So we've talked about uh, the wives' responsibility and God's expectation, and now we're moving to the men. Yeah, last week we we talked about the wives, and, and the most controversial part about that is submitting to the husbands. And uh, often people will attack us and say, well, you know, that's just self-serving. You just want uh, want husbands to be in control and, and you want wives to kind of be your little slaves. But of course, we know that God's word is better than that. Um, God is the one that designed us. He designed us with um, these roles in mind. And, uh, and, and really for husbands, you know, when we're loving our wives the way the Bible calls us to love our wives. It, this is um, just as big, if not a bigger responsibility in some ways than the wives have. Because in verse 25, uh, we we see here the ultimate commandment. You know, I, I when I share the gospel with people, I, I've um, I remember one of the first uh, one of the first gospel presentations I gave to a large group. I preached out of uh, I, I started off from Matthew 548 when Jesus Christ said, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And obviously, that's an impossible command uh, to follow. But I think what we find here um, to, for the husbands is that uh, the command is even more stringent because it's not just being perfect, but it's actually living up to the standard that Christ showed to the church. So so we got a big one here, and, and husbands need to be able to take this seriously. And just as we said last week that the wives, her submission to the husband— is not conditional. I mean, I mean, unless the husband is actually causing her to sin against God. Same with the husbands. The, the husband's love for their wives and the other commandments that, that come here, it's not conditional on whether the wives are submitting or not. Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, since this is a, sort of a counseling podcast, I think, you know, these are both good places and we probably get here very quickly on if we were actually counseling couple face to face. Um, you've got to take responsibility for what God commands you to do and not yeah. worry about your spouse. Right. Um, and this is one of those, the, the, those places. And I think you're right. The, the husband, as we're going to see, bears the entire burden of what happens in the household. I'm not saying he's responsible for the individual sins he doesn't commit, but in, in some way he still is responsible for, uh, for the overall uh, condition of the home. So let's just jump in and read this as we uh, move along. So we're in Ephesians chapter five, looking at verse 25. Uh, we've dealt with uh, the previous few verses on wives. This says, husbands, love your wives. Okay, so we're good there, right? Every husband says, all right, I, I can love my wife. Well, here's how 
you're meant to love your wife, just as Christ also loved the church. Now, even if it were just that, we understand Christ enough to make a, a lot of good deductions. But then it goes on even further. And I love that Paul does this here because it leaves no room for the extent and the and the form and type of love men are meant to show their wives. It goes on to say, um, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. And yeah. that's the type of love. It is the sacrificial love um, that goes to the extent of giving one's life for the sake of another. That's a powerful and very difficult um, verse, right? Yeah, and that is the greatest act of love in all of human history. Because um, if you think about it, Jesus Christ lived a perfect life, and this goes right to the heart of the gospel. He lived a perfect life and willingly submitted himself to the punishment that he did not deserve to have placed upon him. But he did it in order to save a church that when you when you think about the church, the church, we're talking about God's people. And of course, at the time that Jesus Christ goes to the cross, we know that what is true for all mankind is that none of us deserve salvation. None of us deserve the, the, the love of God. So Christ really went to the cross to die for people who hated God. And uh, he not only died for people who hated God, but he didn't deserve to pay that punishment. He himself was perfect um, in all his ways. You know, Isaiah 53 says he he went to the cross silently like a, a sheep led to slaughter. And so th this is not just um not just the the highest kind of love, but this is the greatest act of love that we will ever see in all of human history. Yeah. And it, you know, this is this is just the first verse, right? There's more to it. But I think you just read this one verse, and th this is really enough, I think, yeah. for most mm -hmm. issues, right? In, in in almost every case, we could, regardless of even how healthy your marriage is, constantly ask the question, am I loving my wife the way Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her? Um, and inevitably, in, in some ways, that question, the answer to that question is always going to be no. Uh, because we're inherently sinful and we deal with selfishness. And, and so it's one of those things where if men, you have the mindset that your wife is all the problem um, and you can ask yourself that question. Well, if you can say yes, then you definitely need counseling um, yes. because you don't understand human nature. Right. right. Um, it, if you recognize that the answer is no, then I think that's the beginning of wisdom and humility in in, in counseling. Right. Um, and I, I said something last week uh, that I want to say again for the, the guys. I think it was a hard statement for some ladies to hear. And the statement was something to the effect of, you know, ladies, if you are in a miserable marriage to a very difficult, hard man, um, you may need to take responsibility for getting in a relationship that it probably wasn't wise to get into at the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's a humble heart to recognize that. And I would say the same thing for men. Um, right. I might would even be a little bit stronger with men. We tend to not be as easily persuaded by emotion. Um, but, you know, if you're in a difficult man and you're flipping through the the, the Proverbs and you're like, yeah, that, that dripping water 
um, that that's yeah, worse. Right. You know, that that's the relationship I'm in. Um, my, my wife is just sucking the life out of my soul. Um, then maybe you need to take responsibility for entering into a relationship that you shouldn't have. Now, you don't want to take that too far, right? Um, you're married in God's providence. We understand that and in God's sovereignty as well. But I think that humbles the heart, right? Because it instantly says, I have responsibility. Um, and, and you can't just put that on the other person. And then the very next thing is straight to this passage for me. Um, you know, let's forget about what your wife is doing. Um, you know, maybe she's, you know, you walk in the door uh, and it's, did you take out the trash? Did you do the laundry? Did you, you know, whatever it is, um, forget all of that. Are you loving your wife the way Christ loves the church? And yeah. I, I think there's a lot of uh, really deep and rich marital theology here, because if we consider what that really looks like, we would consider things like, and maybe you can give a few examples too, Eki, we would consider things like, well, how often do we treat Christ with contempt, irreverence, lack of care, lack of love, and what's his response to us? Well, if you're a believer, right, right. Um, in, in repentance is forgiveness, um, it's a continual forbearance. It's a long suffering, um, e even if we're not consciously asking for repentance. And so are you loving your wife that way? Um, because that's the mandate, right? Yeah, and the, the love from Jesus Christ, I mean, I, I just said it was the greatest act of love, but it was also the greatest self-sacrifice, uh, self-sacrificing act. I mean, it was completely sacrificial, um, again, for a, a church that hated God, that did not accept Christ, he went to the cross uh, that that they would be saved. And so with um, with from husbands to wives, even if your wife is not living up to her, her marital duties, right? I mean, she, she could be the worst possible wife you can possibly imagine. And, and apart from infidelity, right? Uh, apart from infidelity or, or if she's an unbeliever and she just simply walks out of the relationship, um, this passage still applies. You're to love her the way Christ loved the church, regardless of, of how she treats you. And so I think all husbands, especially in our, you know, if we're being humble enough, right? And I don't think we're ever truly as humble as Christ, but if we're at least humble enough, um, then we would know that we're always falling short of this because this is this is an impossible standard, um, but it's a standard that's put out there to show us that we're always to be striving for that. Jesus Christ is always our example. You know, and this, again, this hits the heart of the gospel. You, you know, if you recognize that you did nothing that merited your salvation, if you recognize the price that Jesus Christ paid in order to give you that salvation, then the thanksgiving and the gratitude we should have towards him should be played out in our marriage in terms of our love for our wife, because that's exactly what Christ did for us. So when we give thanks to Christ for loving us, despite being very unlovable, despite deserving eternal condemnation, uh, well, what we're called here to do is to turn around and now show that same kind of love for our wives, regardless of how she's behaving. Yeah. And, you know, I was, you mentioned about infidelity. And uh, I just want to make a quick point uh, about infidelity and how that changes how you would treat your wife. Um, 
you know, I want to go to Matthew one and look at Joseph and Mary as a principle and pull out a principle there. Um, but before that, I, I would say to men, look, um, the, you suffer everything you can suffer um, in good faith and trusting in Christ for as long as you can, um, because there's a richness in that. Um, scriptures doesn't say you have to. Of course, I've, you know, I think we both would see that as an exception clause for divorce in Scripture. But remember, though they be there, God still hates divorce. Um, and, and so if you, if you can, and I would even urge men to, um, it, it's a great place to practice forgiveness. I mean, true, genuine, um, forgiveness. It, it's difficult. It's hard. Um, I, I understand all of that. Um, but that is, I think the most Christ-like response. Um, and, and then I think we just understand that the other option is there. Uh, but then we need to understand why it's there. It's there because of the wickedness of the hearts of men, right? Um, but but in the issue of fidelity, it, and along with that, I mean, you go to Matthew 1 and 8, 19, and there's something very incredible here about the character of a godly man. So, of course, we're talking about Joseph and Mary, and uh, Joseph is stuck in this situation as far as he knows, Right. Um, as far as he knows, his wife is pregnant, and he knows it's not by him. And so here's an issue of infidelity. What does he do? And it, it's it, it, there's just such insight here. It says, and Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, so he's doing what he's about to do because he's a righteous man, right? And not wanting no. to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. That That's an incredible, humble heart. And so the, I just wanted yeah. to draw that in to right. say, even if there is infidelity, the man's response ought to be, um, even if yeah. the decision is th- this, it's it it's not reconcilable, is to do it in a way that's d- that doesn't disgrace her as as far as you can. That's a very yeah. different part right. uh, than what we often see today. Yeah, in verse it's in verse twenty that he discovers that the child that Mary has was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So I think that's a great point. In verse nineteen, there is no other conclusion that you can come to except that she's been unfaithful, and uh, and still he he tries to um, tries to really kind of protect her um, her integrity, <clears throat> even even though he probably had every reason to to do something uh, to the opposite. Yeah, and I do agree with you. I mean, even in cases of infidelity, and and look. Infidelity is rarely, um, it's rarely just done in a vacuum. I mean, especially when women yeah. do it. Um, men and women are a little bit different, and and men men can just you know be unfaithful for all kinds of stupid reasons. And I'm not saying that women can't do the same thing, but you know I think oftentimes uh, women, if you were to like do a study and find out why they were unfaithful, well, a lot of times because they felt neglected by their husbands, and that's not an excuse. I'm not giving an excuse for infidelity. But um, my point being that um, a lot of times the the situation that brought them to that point where they started to um, develop feelings for someone else um, really started in the household where there was not enough love from the husband to the wife. And so there, there's an opportunity there for the husband to really kind of take inventory of what has happened and what he could be doing better as a loving wife. But also, you know, if there's a way that 
not only to forgive, but actually to to reconcile and, and to make that marriage a marriage that honors and glorifies God. I mean, that that is indeed a beautiful picture. And, and that would be absolutely preferred. And I have seen relationships where um, the wives ended up really growing in their walk with Christ, um, even after being unfaithful. Uh, just going through this process and, and being forgiven and uh, and just having a greater appreciation for Christ um, has really turned out to to be just a wonderful blessing um, on their behalf. You know the the other situation, and we we know the two exceptions. The other one is if um, if she's an unbeliever and walks out on you. That part you may have no no control over that. You know if she's an unbeliever, she walks out on you. The scriptures say let her go. Um, but yeah, in the case of infidelity, I, I would encourage the same thing as well um, to to try to make it work out. Um, to to show the love of Christ and and you know what if there are issues that and again I'm not excusing infidelity because whoever is unfaithful they bear that guilt but um, if there were issues within the marriage where the husband was not adequately loving his wife and causing her to feel lonely and to start seeking um, seeking attention elsewhere or responding to attention elsewhere you know just just divorcing and and getting married again doesn't solve the issues that that led to that in the first place. So when I counsel um, couples, you know the, you know especially for husbands, you know your your job is to love your wife as Christ loved the church. It's not to treat her as simply a roommate or another occupant in the household or, or someone who's simply there to serve you. And <clears throat> and going back to kind of the submission of wives, um, recognize husbands that. Your call is to love your wife, not force her to submit. Okay, you're yeah. you're not called to be a dictator. You're not called to to um, place conditions uh, on your love that depends upon her submission. It's regardless of whether she submits or not. You love her the way Christ loved the church. Yeah, it's a really good point, um, and I I think I, I want to go back to we're talking about you know some of the reasons that uh, a, a woman might fall into adultery um it, you know it was because we're talking to husbands here here's the reality um in some way you've contributed um yeah. and that that is it's impossible for that not to be the case and and again what we're not saying is that you're responsible for her choice um but you have responsibility and you know and because you said oftentimes there's an emotional need that's you know trying to be filled um, yeah. there, and so the husbands really need if if that's the kind of marriage you're in, um, then it, you need to realize that. And again, it humbles the heart. And um, what we're talking about forgiveness and exhibiting Christ likeness as a husband, you you need humility, right? It's really pride and arrogance that points the finger at the wife and says, "Well, she did it all. I'm." You know, I'm yeah. I'm a great husband, and though you may not say that in words, how many times have we seen guys come into counseling sessions, and that was definitely their attitude, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And and so it changes the whole dynamic in the marriage. I mean, and ultimately, men, your marriage is meant to um, be an earthly display uh, of a covenant that is in similitude to Christ and the church, and so. Don't take this the wrong way, but in the marriage relationship, you're effectively Christ, uh, as Christ is to the church, right? You're not 
actual Jesus Christ, but you're the representation. So when the world looks at your marriage, it's meant yeah. to be a picture of that. And and so you need to ask those questions. Are you responding to your spouse regardless of what she did? Um, the way Christ responds to you when you sin, um, when you sin, you don't even realize it. When you sin and you're enjoying it, when you sin and you know it's wrong, but you don't want to stop, um, w- whatever the case is, is your response to your wife imitating Christ's response to the church? And I think most often um, you'll find there's work to be done. And and the husband's responsible. I mean, it's interesting because, you know, we'll have to give an account as husbands yeah. for our marriage. Uh, if you're in ministry, you know, your wife is your first and highest calling to ministry. Yeah. Um, right. And I, I know, Eki, you feel the way, you feel this way, and I feel uh, similar the way I'm about to say. But what I'm about to say is that, you know, if you're in ministry, your spouse comes first. And so yeah. if the church you're in is destroying your wife, then it's time to look for something else. If the ministry is destroying your marriage, it's time to get out. Um, yeah. Take a sabbatical, do what you need to do, um, because God's going to hold you to that, firstly and foremost. And so, and, and if you're not in the ministry, it still is your highest ministry. You're the priest in the home, right? Yeah. Um, and on that note, I want to finish the passage because it, it's important. So verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So that's what Christ is doing, but it's still a comparison. And then verse 28, so husbands, in other words, like unto this or just like this, or in light of what I've just said, Mm -hmm. husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one has ever hated his flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes cherishes, cherishes it just as Christ also does the church because we are members of his body. Powerful, powerful statements. Um, you, you don't make your wife holy. Again, that's talking about Christ in the church, but it's in the context of the husband's role, right, in the home um, as yeah. as the head. And so, again, those are the questions you're going to ask. Are what you're doing aiding in your wife's sanctification, right? right. Um, or is it making it more difficult? Um, I mean, there's so many good practical applications uh, and and principles to be pulled from this. Yeah, and and even uh, verse 31, the very next verse, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Um, that That's a quote out of Genesis 2.24, um, that when you get married to your wife, you are one flesh. And so when it says here that you should love your own wives as your own bodies, uh, that's that's really going back to the one flesh. If you guys are one flesh, why would you not take care of your wife like you would your own body? And by the way, th- this is kind of similar to you know, the two greatest commandments we know are to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and strength. And the other one is to, um, to, to love your neighbor as yourself. And just like that second commandment, to love your neighbor as yourself, you know what? We never have to be commanded to love ourselves. It's assumed, right? And, and similar 
case here, verse 28, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. This is not a commandment for husbands to simply love their own bodies. Um, that's assumed. It's to love their yeah. wives as they would uh, their own bodies. And, and you're right. When we look at earlier in verse 26, when we see the sanctification that comes from Christ, so that Christ might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. That is a work that Jesus Christ does. And yet we have responsibility as spiritual leaders you know, because, and how do I know that? Because she's she is to submit to us as she submits to the Lord. She is to submit to husbands, um, just as uh, just as the church submits to to Christ. Which means that while we don't have that that uh, that burden of of sanctification, that that responsibility of sanctification that Christ does, we do have, in a sense, a role in the progressive sanctification. So mm-hmm. I, I would say that verses twenty six and twenty seven is talking about that positional sanctification. Where Jesus Christ sanctifies, that means to set apart, makes holy the entire church, and uh, and the purpose being that he would be able to present the church as as holy and blameless. Well, if he sanctified the church and is and is determined to present her as being holy and blameless, then we ought to, in our own day-to-day lives, seek to honor Christ not only in our own behavior, but in how we're leading our wives as well. Um, first by how we love our wives, but also in how we encourage our wives in the Lord. You know, we we want to make it uh, for our wives to to have joy, as much joy and and peace as possible in their walk with Christ. Um, and and if we're if we're serving to be an obstacle to that, if we're serving the opposite, where we're we're making it harder for her to to be faithful by by being mean spirited, by being tyrannical, by you know focusing on on how she needs to submit to you you know you're, you're not making it easy for your wife to to submit to you now that she's still commanded to do so but you're not making it easy on her and the flip yeah. is the flip side is true as well you know wives be subject to your husbands respect your husbands and uh, and and even if your husband is not loving you as Christ loved the church you have that responsibility but Husbands can make that a lot easier on their wives simply by loving them the way Christ loved the church. And and when things are happening correctly, when both parties are, are really seeking to be obedient to God's word here, it becomes a joy for the other side um, to, yeah. to just be able to submit to Christ and, and to live the, live this out. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I want to jump over to 1 Peter 3, 7, because I, I want to talk about, this is a good place to talk about patriarchy. Um, patriarchy is god's design um it gets a bad rap because lots of people say they're patriarchists or we see this and really they're just abusive jerks that's not what patriarchy is Mm -hmm. right um we understand that patriarchy i guess we could say biblical patriarchy but it's just patriarchy um is the idea that the the head the the man of the household um is looking after the well-being of everyone under his care um that in in its most simplistic form right so if what you're saying if what you're doing if how you're responding um isn't looking after the well-being then it's not patriarchal right um and and then something else because i think sometimes in our culture it breeds this uh, we're very there's a sort of a dichotomy now, I think when you look at men in our society, we we call men snowflakes and pansies and, you know, those kinds of things, which uh, I'm not going to say guilty um, uh, if you've said that, because there, there just are beta men out there, 
who need to learn to man up. Um, But then there's another group of men who I think have um, swung too far to the other side uh, and they become too aggressive. Um, And this is happening with their in the home. And that's not biblical either. You go to first Peter three, seven, an excellent description of how men ought to view and treat their wives. It says you husbands in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker since she is a woman and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. Listen, men, you're married to the daughter of the king. What do you think he's going to say if you treat his daughter with contempt? Do do you think you'll get away with that? Right. Um, And and that's how you have to do it because that's how we have to view our wives. One day you're going to stand before the Lord and you're going to give an account for how you treated his daughter. Uh, And you will not be able to say, like Adam said in the garden, but the woman you gave me, that will not be an excuse. It wasn't an excuse then, and it won't be one now. Um, And and so so this is one of those things. I like this passage because it says you actually are meant to honor her. We saw that with Joseph, right? And Mary, um, before the angel came and told him what was going on, he already had in his heart purpose to honor her in sending her away quietly. He could have had her stoned. He could have pushed to have her stoned. That wasn't his his heart and that wasn't his response. Um, and and that's not what patriarchy is. This is an excellent passage to demonstrate um, patriarchy. Sometimes uh, it doesn't mean you have to not make hard decisions. Sometimes we you know may have to say to our wives, Look, I appreciate your input. I know that this might be difficult, but here's what Scripture says, or this is the moral, the, this is the biblical ethic behind it. Um, you know, let's work through it together. But this is ultimately what we're going to have to do. You may need to do that, right? Uh, in in a loving yeah. way. Um, right. But it, <clears throat> yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I, I just thinking. You know, the the word patriarchy too. I mean, let, let's take a moment and, and just define that. Um, because I, I think the world, when the world puts patriarchal systems together, but it doesn't have Christ in mind, it simply just means that that the that the man is kind of at the head, that the man is the one making all the decisions. But in a worldly sense, we see a lot of that getting abused. We we acknowledge that there are a lot of men who um, who abuse their power and position to take advantage um, of every situation and as many women as possible uh, for their own desires, for their own lust uh, and and desires. Um, but when we talk about patriarchy as given to us in the Bible, it is exactly this. It's to love your wife as Christ loved the church. It's to live with her in an understanding way. And then this is one of those areas, in an understanding way, um, men, we, we tend to want women to think like men when they don't. We we want women to, you know, it's kind of like, I remember reading this uh, funny article where you know, men will say to each other, "Hey, bring your A game, right? Uh, br- bring your A game." And and, uh, and then I, I read this article from a woman who took total offense to uh, her husband saying that to her, "Bring your A game." They were about to meet his parents or something like that, and uh, and and she took offense to that. Well, she probably shouldn't have taken offense to that. She probably should have sought to understand that. Hey, that's that's what men say to each other all the time. But this is also an opportunity for men to understand that women don't process situations the same way men do. And and also that that part about in an understanding way as someone weaker, 
Okay, you know what the the Bible tells us? We are to protect those who are weaker than us. You, you know, the whole when James says this is the definition of true religion that you're visiting widows and orphans in their need. Um, that's describing two classes of people um, that are in a weaker position than most. Um, so Christianity, in terms of how it's lived out in relationship to one another, we are supposed to look over and love those who are weaker than us, and that is never more true than from husband to wives. And you know, my wife, and and this is uh, so second nature, I think, with women and not for men. For example, when we, for instance, go to another city and we stay in a hotel, uh, my wife, she's very used to when she goes in the hotel, she not only uses the bolt lock, but she uses that that extra lock um, on the door to make sure that that even if someone had the key that they're not going to get past that that extra lock. You know what? I never I never use that. I never use that. I never thought about that. And every time we leave the house, it's my wife who thinks in terms of is the house locked? Okay. Is the car door locked? Stuff like that. As a man, I tend not to think about that. And I I know the reason why, because people are much more likely to try to attack a woman than they are a man. And even if they were to attack me, I probably stand a much greater chance of defending myself than my wife does. You know, but recognizing that my wife is in a different kind of position, you know, I need to be more um to, to, to be more intentional about making sure that I take those extra steps so that she feels safe. Now that's just a real simplistic example. Yeah. But it, it really requires us to take ourselves out of our own position and to really think through the position of our wives. To that, that's what it means to live in an understanding way. To to seek to understand them. To to really. Um, and I, my own pastor Bill Shannon, would often uh, tell me, "Hey, you know what? You need to spend the rest of your life just being a student of your wife." Now, when I say being a student, doesn't mean that she's teaching you. I'm not talking about you know being a pastor in the home or anything like that. But being a student in terms of you're studying your wife to know her better, to know her better too, so that you can better serve her, to better protect her, to better do all that you need to do as a leader. And even in a um, in a secular sense, in this country, we every four years we elect a president. And what kind of president are you looking to elect? You're looking to elect the president who you think is going to understand your needs the most, going to understand the needs of the American people the most. So even in a secular sense, when we look at this country, we see that we want leaders with that kind of characteristic. But that's exactly the characteristic that God expects from husbands towards their wives. Yeah. Amen. Well, and, you know, also, by the way, that when it talks about someone weaker, there's a reference there to the Thessalonians passage that talks about each person knowing how to possess his own vessel in sanctification mm -hmm. and honor. Right. Um, and so we we see that there. But this is, you know, when we talk about patriarchy, um, these verses ought to define your life. If yeah. if your marriage is defined by you being a heavy handed um, man in the home, that's that has nothing to do with Christ. That's not a, right. the Christian way um, of of being a husband. Now, I, and it's interesting if you jump back to Ephesians before you get to the section uh, that we're in in husbands and wives. If you just go back up to the end of four um, from verse twenty nine, listen to what this says. And and again, just good. You know, if if men are pursuing godliness in Christ. Right, the scriptures are filled with the ways you ought to treat your wife. Your your wife is not the exception, and you treat everyone yeah. else biblically. Um, she yeah. should be the one that you strive the hardest, right? Um, mm -hmm. 
with so verse 29 says let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth i i mean that's a problem at times right yeah. um guys mm -hmm. who yell at their wives or get angry and say things they ought not to say so there's that but only such a word is as good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear right i mean the words we speak to our wife ought to be such that they give grace uh, yeah. to her and then what's interesting in 30, it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. This is a mandate for the husband towards his no. wife. Um, certainly between every Christian, and that's the context, is just Christian to Christian. Well, your wife is a Christian, I hope. Um, if not, then the issue is, you know, she needs the gospel. And again, that needs to be approached in a loving way. While we're talking about that, we should probably say that uh, the other exception that we would see in Scripture for the wife being an unbeliever and walking away from the marriage, that is not the husband pushing her away. Um, right. and, 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 and that is not because the husband is a jerk and hard to live with. That's yeah. because of the tension between uh, living with a godly man and a woman who wants nothing to do with Christ, right? Yeah. And so because of that, she leaves. Um, and that needs to be said. Um, if, if she's an unbeliever and she's leaving because you're a difficult and hard man to live with, that's not it. Um, and, and you should be ashamed if that's the case. So we have all throughout these scriptures, um, it, you know, how we deal with one another in the church. And then specifically, um, husbands to wives. And I think we have to understand that as men, over time, you create the wife you have. And what I mean by that is just very simply by way of influence. Um, she learns how you respond to things and responds in kind. Um, she learns the things that you like and that you dislike. Uh, she learns whether you're a difficult man or not. Um and whether you're a tender um, and gracious husband or not. And over time, the stronger personality helps shape and form the other person in the house. That's, that's just you know, human nature. And so if you're looking at your wife and you're thinking, I really don't like this person I'm married to, then you need to realize that you in some way help create that. Yeah. Um, and, and you need to take responsibility for that. And I think the way that um, maybe as we close up, we can give uh, just a little bit of counseling in that if, if you're a husband who is in a very difficult marriage, um, I, I think we would both agree that your role in that is to be able to present your wife to Christ in such a way that you could say, I've treated your daughter like the daughter of a king. Um your role and responsibility is to help move her um, from whatever she's dealing with to being sanctified in 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 Scripture and through Scripture in a loving way that is in humility. That's your role. I, I think men have a dual role um, in, in that you know it's the wife's responsibility to submit to the husband and to herself pursue godliness. That would be true for the husband, except the husband also still has the other role, 
which is to help sanctify his wife, which I think demands an incredible humility because you've got to take responsibility for this woman that you've helped create. Um, and that may mean you have repenting to do, you have forgiveness uh, to ask for. And yet, even in the midst of that, you need to help move her from the areas that maybe she um, is sinful in to godliness. And that's got to be done with great care and with great gentleness. And I think with great fear, again, because she's the daughter of a king, a king that you will give an answer to. Um, why don't you wrap us up with some thoughts on men who are in difficult marriages, Eki? Yeah, I get to, to what you said. Amen to all of that. And this is exactly why I said, in many ways, men bear greater responsibility than women in the marriage. For that reason, exactly. Um, you, you have a greater responsibility for the sanctification of your wife. You know, and of course, in a good and godly marriage, both par parties should be concerned about each other's sanctification. But as the spiritual leader, um, you're the one that is going to be making final decisions on 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 hard topics, right? And and you want to be sure that it's going to be led in, in a Christ-like way. You know, the, the other thing too, in first Peter chapter three, one to four, we, we talked about this um before, and especially last week in terms of wives with unbelieving husbands, you know, win them over by the behavior, right? Not your external adornment, but uh, but that which is internal. And and I would say that there is a similar principle um that you can draw from that if you flip the tables and it's the wife who's an unbeliever or the wife who is, you know, just not obeying the word. Um for for you as husbands, you know, you, you want to seek out those opportunities, certainly to share the gospel if that's what's if that's what's needed. The wife is an unbeliever. But even if she's rejecting that message, not listening to it, not wanting to have it, win her win her over by your love. Right. Show her that you are a much better husband because you've been redeemed by Christ. Mm -hmm. And and it's going to be impossible for any woman who is interested in the marriage being a good marriage, it's going to be impossible for any women like that to not appreciate a husband who is doing his all in order to model the the, the Christ-like love. So the other thing too, and, and we've mentioned the human responsibility aspect that you know before you married, um, you, you sought out your partner, but not only that, but a lot of your behavior has helped to influence um, the the way uh, she has she has uh, grown or how she treats you and all that. But there's another aspect to this too, and that's the sovereignty of God. That though you chose your wife, um, God in His sovereignty gave you the wife that was necessary for you to be sanctified. And so you may look at your wife and think, "Wow, she! I wish she was more this. I wish she was more that." And and I think you need to see this from the aspect of God being both good and sovereign. Romans eight twenty eight, He causes all things to come together for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. And verse twenty nine says, "The purpose is, is that." is to make you more like Christ. You've been predestined to be conformed into the image of Christ. And, and so recognizing that, know, know this, that whatever difficulties that your wife is giving to you is actually um, in many ways out of the sovereign hand of God in order to actually make you more like his son, Jesus Christ. But the only way to grow is to actually respond the way the Bible calls us to respond. It's not to do your own thing. It's not to separate. It's not to go your own direction. It's not you know, to seek a divorce or to just uh, ignore her and, and just kind of live your own separate lives. It's none of that. It's to live with your wife as Christ loved the church, and it's to love her in an understanding way, 
um, recognizing that she's the weaker vessel. But at the same time, First Peter uh, 3, 7 says she is yet a fellow heir of the grace of life. And particularly if we're talking about someone who is a believer, um, she is she is equal in terms of her value, um, though, because of the design of God, she is weaker in some ways. And now because she is weaker, you're actually bearing a greater responsibility to protect and to sanctify her. Yeah. Amen. You know, in that first Peter passage, if you go to the next verse, it says to sum up all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind hearted and humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead for you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. That has to be applied to our wives. Amen. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, whether you and, and I want to end with just a. A, a, a word to you know husbands who are in good marriages because i think it could be very easy to kind of go through this and think well you know we it, no one's perfect but we have a good marriage we don't have a lot of we don't have any of these issues um he, he at the end of the day believer unbeliever uh strong marriage weak marriage can your wife look at you and see christ no and and, and that's the standard um, and, and so I know for us men who, you know, by God's grace, enjoy marriages without many difficulties, that's still the goal. And yeah. there are many ways that um, I could lead my family better. Um, m- maybe family worship could be better um, or more regular or or oftentimes it doesn't exist. Healthy marriages create its own challenges and apathy is the biggest challenge, I think. Yeah. Um, for men, the marriage is going well. Um, you're happy being together. There's no, you know, fighting and argument, that kind of thing. And, and so you kind of just s- sink into this apathetic mode of life because everything's going well. But there's no such thing as an apathetic Christian life leading your home. You're either going forwards yeah. or backwards. Um, and so for those men, I would just encourage you to ask the question, how can I be more like Christ to my wife? How can I be a better priest in my home to my children? Maybe you need to start family worship. Uh, maybe you, you know, there are some habits that you need to develop um, that you don't have. But those are things that we should constantly be working towards. And I think that comes back to your statement, Eki, that we need to be students of our wives um, with the goal in mind that we are leading her and helping aid in her sanctification uh, as as those who will give an account to God for that. Any final thoughts on on healthy marriages? Amen. And then we can wrap us up. Yeah, you know, did always look to Christ. Um, always see the big picture. Always see God's good sovereign good sovereignty in providing you the the wife that you had and the situation that you have, and recognize that this being a one flesh relationship um wives you've been given the husband and husband you've been given the wives that god had ordained in order to make you more like christ and so continue to obey god through that and don't put conditions uh, upon um, wives your submission or husbands your love and understanding uh for for your wife uh do that and, and you will glorify god Amen. Well, I hope this has been helpful to you guys. Um, Again, we have a new YouTube channel. You can check the link out in the show notes. Uh, We'd love to hear testimonies. If any of our podcasts um, God's used in your life, we'd love to just rejoice with you. You can send us an email. Again, that information is in our show notes. So until next time, let the truth be known. The Truth Be Known podcast. 
is a theologically driven, gospel-centered program, serving the body of Christ by bringing biblical truth to bear on issues facing the church today. Subscribe to the Truth Be Known podcast by using the podcast app on your Apple or Android device or listen online at strivingforeternity.org in the podcast section.